0: Typically, I'm not a fan of an uber-scripted employment interview. However, a visual interview, now that's a scripted interview I can get behind. So what is it? It's a way to spark conversation with a candidate that works with their hands. So today we'll explore the why and the how to use a visual interview and what to expect from the outcome. Hi, I'm Deva Mills, the Rebellious Recruiter, and I've been in the trenches of finding people for over 20 years. I've worked with quality and production departments, and we developed a new type of interview, and it had immediate success. So today, I want to share this process with you. So pull up a seat. Let's chat. About 10 years ago, I was having a conversation with my COO. He told me he wanted everybody coming through a particular division to leave the interview going. Wow, they're really safety focused. Well, how was I supposed to do that? I mulled on it for a couple of weeks and then I was watching a webinar. The instructor said, if you need to hire people who work with their hands, give them something to play with in the interview. And that's when it hit me. You see, back in the 70s and 80s, if you worked in the skilled trades and you wanted a job, you showed up to the job site, tool bag in one hand, lunch pail in the other. The superintendent would size you up He would tell you to leave or he'd say you have until lunch. And you'd try out for your job by doing the actual work, usually for free. Then I-9s came along and safety managers became a thing and workers' comp became vital. And having a person work for free for half a day was not a thing and for good reason. I want to be clear about this. But it started changing the game. Eventually, managers would do some skill-based tests in conjunction with an interview and decide whether or not you could do the job and give you the job offer based on those results. So I'm going to use welding as an example as we move forward, because in welding, you can do an 8-inch flux core butt weld with a 5-8-inch wire and half-inch plate, but it won't really tell you how a person can weld over a 20-foot stretch. But it's a start. So let me fill you in on what I'm talking about so you can follow along. A butt weld is a nickname for a groove weld because it looks like the crack of a butt. Imagine two thick plates of steel coming together with diagonal cut edges forming a V. There's a thin piece of metal under the base of the V, tack welded into place, that's called a backing plate. Then the V is filled up with melted wire and the end result is a groove weld, sometimes called a butt weld. Then the backing plate is cut or ground off, resulting in a smooth sheet of metal. There are generally two types of people who weld, fitters who put the puzzle together and welders who fill it up. Some people are combo welders, meaning they can do both with ease, but usually a combo welder will have a preference for one or the other, as will a fitter. Okay, so back to the webinar. This concept hit me. Why are we evaluating people's hard skills based on the way they talk? If I'm hiring a person to work with their hands and to be safety focused, why am I hiring them based on their verbal communication skills? Verbal communication skills in this instance, they're just a plus. So I sat down with the production manager and quality control manager with a crazy idea I drafted. They gave me the go ahead and I spent a few days designing a new type of interview. I called it the visual interview. First, I went to the welding department and asked for crappy but usable weld test plates. And there was a reason for this. Second, I typed up laminated cards with words on them. Third, I went to the interwebs and I researched welding safety violations in pictures. The result was a three-part interview box. Part one, pictures of egregious safety violations. Things like a guy teaching a baby to weld. The baby was in a diaper, no personal protective equipment except for a hood shield. Another picture had a guy welding in a quilted down vest with lack of flashing between him and the next welder. We had a picture of a guy doing copper brazing with wood chips on the floor, a guy up on scaffolding with no fall protection. You get the idea. Part two of the test. We had five placards with words laminated. Waste control, customer care, quality, safety, housekeeping. Part three, the crappy weld plates. And this is how it was used. I put the pictures into a bound flip book. The first picture was the baby. This caused almost every interviewer to ask one of two questions. Is this a real picture? Or is that a baby? No, I did this because I'm a military brat. Air Force, if you're curious. Um, But I can sing all the armed forces medleys when required due to years of singing for July 4th church services. I digress, though. My dad planned strategic actions for wars. So I heard a lot about meeting management and leadership growing up. After war game exercises, they always had a 45-minute debrief. It's not supposed to go on longer than 45 minutes. One of the tips I heard was always open the meeting with a joke. Being that it was the 70s and 80s, I knew a lot of jokes that flight crews shared around the table most these days are not politically correct, and I don't share them anymore. That being said, I thought the picture had a morbid humor about it, so I popped it off to start the interview. Now, every once in a while, a candidate would casually respond, he doesn't have pants on, which was an interesting response. We'd respond, can you see that it's a baby? They'd respond with a, yeah, yeah. I guess he is. We take note of that and then we started noticing it was a precursor to a pattern moving forward into the next responses. This picture became our siren call that the interview was probably not going to go well and this person was not very safety conscious. In case you have morbid curiosity, I included a Pinterest link in the show notes. On the pictures with the two welders with no flashing between them, we'd ask, if this was next to you, what would you do? We quickly termed this the bro code picture. The result was we wanted welders to stop what they were doing and secure the area. Sexism aside in the answer, but we still called it the bro code picture. We wanted them to tell the guy or the gal next to them, put on your leathers and put up flashing. We needed all of this to be done without involving a supervisor unless one person went and cooperate. You see, people watching out for each other is super important. The more they watch out for each other, the less the supervisor is called in for petty disagreements. Plus, if a person is willing to call the other person out, they're willing to listen to the other person. The other pictures told us how aware the interviewee was in their environment, like did they notice the wood shavings were a fire hazard, etc. Then we pulled out the placards. We told the interviewee to put them in order of importance. I want to stress that there is really no one way here people's personal family history and culture, that actually drives more how they respond most of the time. Some cultures stress customer care first because without customers, you don't have an environment in which to worry about safety because you don't have work to do. Some people would state housekeeping leads to safety, etc. So I want to stress here that verbal communication was often not a skill most of these people had. So we really had to listen and ask a lot of why To get to the bottom of what they thought. Then we would explain what was important in our work environment and why. But the bridge that we were making here is we were listening to how these people were speaking. But once they had a picture to spark how they were communicating to us, the communication took on a whole different style because people that work with their hands are usually visual learners. People like me who sit in an office all day I'm really highly auditory. So for me, verbal communication is normal, but I had to learn to create a verbal communication path for somebody who doesn't normally verbally communicate. So now going to the third part, the crappy weld plate. We'd hand them the plate and say, what happened? Well, remember there's combo welders that we were usually interviewing and sometimes they leaned more heavily on welding and fitting. And this is how we learned when they did. A natural fitter would pick up the plate and hold it at eye level to see how the backing plate matched up to the mild steel, and then they'd talk about the fitting error. A natural welder would look at it flatly, and they'd take their fingernail and kind of pick at the slag, and they'd start asking about the weld tip that was being used. This part just told us where they landed on the skill spectrum, but it was still something interesting to see in action, and when the person wasn't coached or led to respond, their natural instincts took over. So here's the crazy part of all this. It was the result. Six months later, I pulled the safety report, and the results were eye-opening. You see, according to OSHA, 40% of job-related injuries are with workers who've been on the job less than a year. So your new workers, they're at the highest rate of accidents, right? We had one. One injury on a team of over a 100 welders only one new hire injury in six months with the person hired under the new interview process. Statistically speaking, it should have been much higher. I knew we were onto something as all the other injuries were people who'd been with the company for over six months and most of them over a year. So we were able to whittle the interview down to just three pictures and eventually drop the placards and the weld plates. I still think they're an important part of manufacturing, because we need to build capital with these people that come into interviews and we also need to set expectations and this is the best time to do it before you make the job offer so giving a person something to play with it helps create a more natural conversation in the interview if they work with their hands but after the first few months of the interview process the production manager he had it under control and we were hiring good people so he focused on what gave us the most bang for the buck so These days, we don't try on people for free for four hours. And I think this is the next best thing. If you hire people that work with their hands, I highly recommend you give this method a go. If you need help crafting something, I'm an email away and I love working within the manufacturing environment. So that's a wrap for today on the topic of what is a visual interview. Thanks for listening to The Rebellious Recruiter. A quick reminder, I'll be bringing you new information every Monday and an occasional interview later on in the week with another thought leader. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening to this and comment, rate, and review. And share this podcast with other leaders that are looking to build out-of-this-world teams and maybe have a penchant for defying best practices. Go ahead and check me out at millsgroupllc.com and drop me a line there with your thoughts or questions. I might use your subject matter in upcoming shows. And thank you for listening. I know you only have so many hours in the week, and I'm grateful to spend this time with you. Until then, make it a great day. I'll see you on the flip side. This podcast is produced by TH3 Entertainment.